All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. We are on moving on down the line where this is the halfway point through the steps. We're working on step six in our 12-week series, breaking down each of the 12 steps. I'm your host today, Mason S., uh, filling in for TK is my man, Chase P. What's up, Chase? Hello, hello. Just to give you a quick update on Travis, he is getting better. Um, he's progressing. Uh, he's, he's still not to the point to where he can walk down here and feels good enough to sit down in a chair for an hour to do the podcast, but we anticipate, you know, we're here in a couple of weeks, he'll be back on here. Uh, we're grateful for Chase for filling in, but today our guest is Mr. Kevin E. Kevin, how you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing great, man. I'm grateful you guys asked me to do this. Oh yeah, it's good to see you too, man. That's that's for sure. Um, you want to start off with your clean date and where you attend meetings at? Give your home group a shout out. Yeah, my clean date's three twenty five fifteen. My home group's OG original group of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I recently moved to Tulsa from Hallwall, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tulsa, baby, the flatland. That's right. Yeah. Shows and stuff. Yeah. So um tell us about the recovery scene in Tulsa. What's it look like, man? Um, man, it's it's amazing. There's uh a lot of book studies, a lot of literature. Everybody's real big on literature out here, working steps. You could go to three different meetings in one day. They range from you know, 15, 20 people to sometimes, you know, 40 people. There's all walks of life, all kind of different meetings. They've got um, everything from step study to open share, closed meetings, open meetings, men's wraps. There's conventions and speaker jams going all around. If uh, Man, if, you, if you're struggling, man, just pick up that hotline, find a meeting list, get to one, man. That's what's up, man. It's good to know that recovery is alive and well in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so what we usually do before we get started on our topic today, let's let's get to know you a little bit. Now, me and my co-host over here, we we've had the pleasure of knowing you for quite some time. But uh, give you give the listeners a rundown of you know what what brought you to Narcotics Anonymous. Well. The obvious, you know, um, we all here, we all know the deal. I did a lot of drugs and I fucked up a lot of shit and I went to prison a bunch of times, been in jail a bunch of times and the gift of death. I was blessed with the gift of desperation. I had had enough. And, uh, it talks about that in our literature. And, uh, I decided that was enough was enough. And I got me a book while I was in prison. I reached out to, you know, people in Homewall, some people that aren't here anymore, they wrote back. They gave me that love, and they told me the truth. They told me what I wanted to hear, or they told me what I needed to hear instead of what I wanted to hear. And when I got here, they were here for me, man. And the door was open, and uh, I sat down, and I shut the fuck up, and I listened. That's how that's how I got to Narcotics Anonymous. I got out of prison six years ago, um, and the first thing – I did after I saw my family and had good food was I went to a narcotics anonymous meeting and um, 
you know, that's how I got here. So just the whole idea behind us starting this podcast was uh, actually I was talking to one of your sponsees, matter of fact, and we were discussing the prison and prisons. Now a lot of them are allowing people to have tablets and on those tablets, they can listen to podcasts and stuff. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. So that was the idea behind this. But what I wanted to touch on is you talked about writing a letter to somebody who was in NA while you were in prison. So if somebody is listening to this and they do find themselves in that situation, uh, how did you go about getting in contact with somebody in NA? Well, I, I had me a, a small, a very small support group on the outside and they knew how important it was that I was really done and I needed to do something different. And, <clears throat> you know, Narcotics Anonymous is based on spiritual principles and literature, and you can't really use a lot of that in prison because you got to survive. And um, so I reached out to my support group and uh, they found some people in, in N.A. and they just asked them if it was OK. And, man, they were like, give them my address. You know, that's that's how it happened for me. Um, I'm in contact with quite a few people in prison. I get some letters. Uh, I answer some phone calls. So, you know. That's how I did it. You know, in, in fact, one of your family members is one that I that I reached out to. He's gone, but uh, he definitely ain't forgotten because he's first person that hugged me when I got out of prison, man, and told me just come on in and it saved my life, bro. I'm so grateful to be clean, and he has a big part in it, man. I'm real grateful. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You know, it kind of reminds me of that chapter, What Can I Do? It kind of gives you those instructions and your story is a testament to the following those instructions and what can I do can, can be the way that you find yourself into this fellowship, you know? So if you're in a situation where it don't feel like you got no hope or there's no way out, or you don't have access to outside meetings, just, you know, hang in there and, you know, maybe it takes writing a letter, get plugged in any way you can, you know, holler at the guys, maybe that's bringing H and I in, whatever you got to do. Um, but yeah, man, our, 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 our symbol is based on attraction rather promotion. And when you see, when you see that symbol and you're struggling, man, reach out, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Reach out. If there's something on here that you hear, you're out here in prison and you're listening to this, man, I did whatever it took to get high, you know, and I was tired of it. And I, I just was like scratching at the walls, trying to do something different. And I reached out was like anybody you could find and, and anybody, you know, do whatever it takes, man. Cause man, if you outside this circle, if you on the fence, as they say, come on in the middle and try it. You know yeah. what I mean? We're here. Let me ask you this, Kevin. So, you know, I know a lot of people who come straight from jails or prison and I know it's a struggle reenter, like reintegrating back into like a normal society and then obviously there's a huge change when you try to integrate yourself into a recovery community. So what were the struggles that you faced early on and how do you feel like you pushed through it, like getting back out into the real world, but also making an attempt at a whole new way of life? What did that look like? And what do you feel like you did that made you successful in that? Um, I, I, I read the basic text and how it works and why, while I was in. And um, I read it over and over. And there's a couple of guys in prison 
that were going to the NA meetings um, to be there, to be a part of. And one of the old timers said, he said, he said, go, go out there, go to a meeting, shut the fuck up and listen. That's what he said to me, lifer. And um, he said, look for the people that the same stuff you're reading in that book over here, you hear and see it coming out of their mouth and in their walk. And, um, you know, I think the biggest struggle for me when I got out of prison that you, respect and all this stuff that's in prison, I got, I, when I got to the meeting in, in Holmwall, I was in the back row, real quiet, had the mean face on, you know, I had, I had this, this mask on because I was so afraid from what I had just gone through. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. I was scared to death in prison and uh, I survived, but it was because of my character defects. It was because of the masks I put on and I had that mask. And that was the biggest challenge was opening up and, um, and being vulnerable with other men in recovery. And mm -hmm. it was like real slow steps. Cause it, I don't know. Um, I don't remember when you came in Mason and saw me, but, um, I wasn't very talkative for about the first six months. And, uh, I was very, um, drawn back with lack of better words. And, and it was just learning to trust. That was my biggest, my biggest, uh, blocker. And then going to Walmart was real hard. Like being around a bunch of people, that shit was hard. And it was just baby steps, man. I just, I just, I just kept going to meetings, kept going to meetings, listening, kept going to meetings. And, uh, you know, doing the things I didn't want to do to get where I wanted to go. Yeah, I, I remember vividly when you came in. Um, and, yeah, the, the person that you presented in the very beginning was totally different than who you really was when I got to know you, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. People were scared to talk to you, but you're really this happy-go-lucky guy who's easy to talk to once you get to know you. Um, but, yeah. You know, I, I could see that being a struggle and, 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 you know, what we're, what we're trying to learn in this new way of life goes against everything that we were kind of taught on the, on the inside. Don't trust nobody, you know, keep your circle small, all those type of things. And uh, always watch your back, you know, you're always, never show out. yep. Never show emotion. Yep. Oh, so Let's talk about some of the gifts of recovery, man. What what what's some of the gifts that you've got to receive since you walked out of that prison cell, man, and entered the rooms and started applying these steps and traditions to your life? Man, my perceptions changed on that, man. Uh I feel like Narcotics Anonymous has given me everything. My clean time. Um, it's given me a new perspective on how to treat the things I've earned. And it also has, has no matter what, even successes, even the failures, uh, the mistakes I've made, it's allowed me to stay clean through it. And, um, a lot of good things have happened. And, uh, none of that stuff was promised to me in the literature. None of that stuff was promised to me. Just, just that any addict that works this program never has to use again. And it's true. I work steps. I go to meetings. Uh, I do service and good and bad things happen to me. And, and uh, I don't have to use over none of it, man. I don't have to get successful and big headed and, and, 
and think that I'm uh, better than everybody else because I got a sponsor that'll that'll pop my bubble and bring me back down to earth and let me know I ain't special. And in 32 seconds, I could be high and lose it all. You know, and, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the literature to keep keep me on my toes and and not be fearful. Like if I'm going to start a business or if I'm going to get a new job or if I don't like the way my do- my boss talks to me. You know, and 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 those are the gifts that I think are most important from Narcotics Anonymous is, is that uh, it, it gives me a guide to get through all this crazy stuff that life is today. So you talked about service work. So something I remember early on is hearing you talk about service work. And I know guys who work closely with you in this program and, and that's big to them. And um, I'd like to hear you talk a little bit about selfless service you know because when i came in and started doing service work my motives were so twisted and i would hear you speak about how to do you know that true selfless service so would you talk a little bit about what that means to you what it looked like early on and what that means to you today so when i so when i do selfless things and do selfless service um i do them for myself really um when i tell everybody about it it becomes selfish when I when I need a pat on the back, or I'm looking for a, a a paycheck, or I'm looking for recognition or validation, that's when it becomes selfish. But um, when I go and do something nice for somebody and don't expect anything in return, that becomes selfless. I'm and and the only thing that I get from it is all the shame and guilt that I carried from the streets and using. You know, I get to love myself more and look in the mirror and see that I am not that bad monster that our literature asked if I am. And I said, yes, I'm not that. Uh, I become a good employee. I become a good father. I become a good uh, son. I become all these things. Not perfect, but, uh, you know, here's the deal is my sponsor, uh, my very first sponsor, Bubba H, man, uh, rest in peace to him. And uh, he told me, he say, we were at the grocery store and you see somebody that's like paying with food stamps or something or even not food stamps. Pay for pay for their stuff if you got it. You know, uh, you see garbage in the parking lot, pick it up, have integrity, do do things for people without expecting anything. And man, I, I remember in prison, we had these aluminum foil like mirrors. And the only time I looked in them to see if I had a booger in my nose or to shave my face. And I didn't really like looking in mirrors because I didn't like what I saw internally. And um, after doing selfless service and helping people and, and doing nice things for others without expecting uh, anything in return, um, it taught me to love myself. And when I looked, there was, I'll never forget the day I looked in the mirror and I started crying. It's like, man, you really are a good person. You're not this monster you think you are. And that's what selfless service will do for you. You know, not only will you help a bunch of people and, and do a bunch of good in your community to help you later on and in, in other steps that you haven't got to on this podcast, um, but you also get to love yourself. And that's what's happened for me by doing selfless service. Yeah. And I, and I imagine you're a lot like myself too. You know, I struggled with uh, self-esteem issues and stuff like that, but esteemable acts, man. Uh, yeah. Is what, what, what do you say? Say it again. You say it all the time. Esteemable acts do what? Yeah. If you want to raise your self-esteem, you got to do esteemable acts, you know, stuff that, yeah. 
Um, reminds me of a story talking about selfless service. You remember our little trip one day, me and you took, you come and pick me up. We went all over the, and, and I mean, we live out in the sticks too, but we really went out in the sticks that day. We ventured off out past the river, off in the middle of nowhere. But, you know, Kevin had called me up and was like, this dude's struggling. We're going to take him some literature. Uh, <laughs> but he gave us the runaround forever. But, you know, I think me and you both, after we were frustrated, we were able to come to the come to the realization that, hey, regardless of whether he fucked us around or not, we were we stayed clean and we were trying to do the right thing. You know? That's right. So, yeah, That's right. I, ne I never will forget that. That was pretty cool. That was a really good lesson because, you know, we could have been mad. Oh, he ran us around and all that, but we stopped and we took a moment. We really analyzed the situation and, uh, hey, look at what we're trying to do for somebody. Yeah. You can you believe back in the day when we was getting high? We, are you shit me after five minutes of that dumb shit? We would have been like, nah, and we would have been doing it in the first place. But here we are in recovery, you know, just following directions out of a book from our sponsor, and uh, you know, it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to turn out. But man. We got to stay clean. We had a good time. We had some good laughs too. Yeah, we did. And we didn't kick his door in, you know. So no. that was... <laughs> we wanted to. <laughs> we wanted. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So if you're ready, man, let's roll on into our topic today. Come on, let's do it. I'll have uh I'll have Chase read step six for us. All right, step six. We are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. All right. So, Kevin, when you hear that, uh, what do you think about that? What do you got for step six on us? Or what do you got on step, step six for us? So, <clears throat> in my sponsorship family, this is our experience. And I want to read something to everybody before we go any further. And it's going to be in the It Works How and Why and it's going to be on the introduction page, and it's going to be about halfway down the very first paragraph, and it says, this book is not meant to be an exhaustive study of NA steps and traditions, nor is it meant to be the final word on any aspect of recovery or NA unity. Rather, it is meant to help you determine your own interpretation of the principles contained in our steps and traditions. And to me, what that means is that Everybody has their own interpretation and everybody is different. And what works for you may not work for me and vice versa. But when I asked for a sponsor, I looked for something that, that I wanted in this man and he had it. And he asked me, if you want what I got, you got to do what I do. Mm. And I followed that and uh, it worked for me and I'm clean today and I don't have the desire to use. And uh, for me, we kept it real simple because he was like step six separates the men from the boys. And he was like, what's the definition of a character defect? And we kept it simple, man. And it's a negative character, character trait, lying, stealing, cheating. After I defined what a character defect was and understood what a character defect was, we started listing what they actually were. And he had me Google character defects. And, you know, we go through the list and I'm like, oh, I ain't got that one. And then he would bring up a situation that we talked about on the phone. And he says, well, can you relate that to it? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, write it down, you know. And, you know, that, that's that's basically a gist of 
what character defects are. You know, it's a negative character trait, and there's a list of them. And we could go on. Lust, uh, greed, pride, ego, uh, self-condemnation. See, I didn't know what self-condemnation was. I didn't understand it. He told me to get a dictionary. He said, how'd you learn how to shoot dope? I said, well, I looked it up. I did my research. He said, well, the same effort that you put in, in emptying that sack, make sure you put it in your recovery. So I looked up condemnation and uh, it was explained to me. It's just like when you condemn a house, it's no longer livable. And when I'm self, when I'm using self-condemnation, um, I'm self-condemning myself. I said, I'm a felon. I don't deserve a good job. I'm a junkie. I don't deserve my kids back. Stuff like that. Ne negative self-talk. Mm -hmm. And that's a character defect. Um, understanding what a character defect is and being aware that I have it. You know, um, more, more than not, it says we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of characters. And what, what my sponsor did was he helped me to see all the character defects that I was. You know, and it was hard, man, because I found out real quick that I was an asshole. And um, I didn't like it. It didn't taste good. It didn't feel good. You know, and more be revealed in another step about that. But, um, you know, uh, step six is like, you know, after I did a step four and a step five and I found out who I really was, you know, hey, Kevin, nice to meet you, you know. I wanted to know why I was left with this, this void. Like, why am I like this? And step six taught me why, you know, we broke it down with a fear circle and every one of them character defects that I use come from fear. And, you know, why do I wear this gold chain? Because I'm afraid you don't think I'm successful. I want you to see that. You know, why do I cheat on my girlfriend? Because I'm insecure and I'm afraid that I'm not enough of a man. So I, I go in out of pride and ego. I go and do some dumbass shit and hurt a bunch of people, you know, um, you know, and that's it, we can go on. The list goes on food. You know, you, I was in prison and they give you these little itty bitty meals and I get out and I see McDonald's and I don't get like a cheeseburger and a French fry and a Coke. No, I want three double cheeseburgers, McChicken, two pies. Huh? Give me the ketchup. I'm squirting it all over. I'm making weird ass sandwiches because I'm, a, you know, I'm afraid I'm not going to get enough. You know, when I look at pizza, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm working on my weight right now. So when I look at pizza, let's be honest, I'm looking for the biggest slice. I'm taking that one. You know what I mean? Every time I get more of the pizza. That's just the truth. You know, <laughs> let's just be real. And and the greatest thing about Step six is, man, I really get to be real drop dead honest with myself when I look in the mirror. Not that shit that I let out on the tongue and tell everybody my good sharing ass at the meeting, but like, what's really going on in my head? Who am I really? It says, the admission we made of the nature of our wrongs, our character defects, is necessary if we are to be ready to have them removed. Deeply shaken by our part in the past, we can expect our attitudes to be profoundly changed by working the sixth step. Like I said before, now that I'm aware of why I am the way I am and what causes it, you know, now I'm like, okay, I want to do something about it. I don't want to be like that. Like entitled with my parents, I got clean. You should buy me a car. 
that dumbass <laughs> shit that we, you know, you know, entitlement. I man, I love step six, man. Not not to be like poking at myself negatively. It's that you know, I first came in recovery because I didn't want to go to prison again or use dope. But I quit using dope and by going to meetings and not going to bars and not hanging out with the people I used to. Now I'm not going to jail. But like um, cheating on my girlfriend, spending too much money, uh, having an attitude with my boss at work, you know, wanting to fight, blah, blah. It goes, the list goes on. If you can relate to my story, I'm sure you could take what I'm saying and turn it around in your story somehow. And like those character defects there's, you know, they come from that fear. I'm afraid all the time. I'm a lot less afraid now than I was when I first came in. And it's because of these steps. You know, um, you know, thinking about, I liked your definition in the beginning, but going back to the, to the step working guide, you know, it talks about a character defect being a basic human trait distorted by our own self-centeredness yes and uh what you touched on is i think for me i know when i first got clean i was ready to give up the drugs i was ready to be done with that but this step you know it talks about us in being entirely ready to have god remove all these defects of character i can't say that when i got clean i was ready to give up being a smart ass or or being dishonest or, or fucking you know whatever I wasn't ready to give all that stuff up. And and I think what you were sharing kind of kind of made me think about, you know, it took me being around people who were doing that and seeing that every day, seeing how they were changing, made me want to change. And I think it's interesting that step six is where it's at because I wasn't ready when I worked step one to give up a lot of that. And what I was going to ask you is I th I'm pretty sure one of the questions out of step working guide is, you know, which one of these am I afraid to give up that I won't be able to see? I won't be able to recognize who I am if I give up this character defect. Did you have any of those? Man, I got them right now. What you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I never strive for perfection because it's just not going to happen, you know. Um, but luckily, by, you know, practicing the five suggestions of Narcotics Anonymous, you know, um, I get to be a better man every day so that the people I love will benefit. I don't do it for my kids. I don't do it for you. I don't do it, you know, for anybody else, but then for me, cause I want to be a better man. The gift of desperation did that for me, you know? And, um, you know, your, your question was, which ones do I hold on to? Um, I got so many that I can only be aware of so many at a time. Some of my character defects, will not allow me to see some of my character defects. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it takes sponsorship, men in recovery to hold me accountable and say, what the fuck were you thinking when you did that? You know, or have you thought that this might be your problem? And I have to be humble. It talks about that word a lot in our literature. I have to be humble enough and put my self-righteousness to the side to be able to accept outside help and to be able to take a deep, dark, honest look at, you know, what's really going on. So um, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to say, please, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get better. M my disease is, is alive and well, and it wants to see me lose. And um, all I can do is just wake up every day, 
and ask God to remove these defects of character, humbly, the shortcomings, and uh, do my best to be aware of them. It, when I first came in, like the pride in the ego deal, the lust, um, the gluttony, the, the like the patience wasn't hard for me because like I've been in prison a bunch of times. You got to you know, be me You're forced to be patient. Talk about that. Like I know how to hurry up and wait all day long. I don't even like calendars at the house. But like, <laughs> let you call me a bitch. When I first got, I had, I, it was so, that was, okay, let's talk about that. That was one of the hardest things. Like I went to work and these guys were like over in the corner and they're like calling each other bitches, being funny. And like in prison, that's a big no-no. It's mandatory, mandatory fist fighting or worse. And, um, you know, they're talking like that. And I, and I talked to my sponsor about it. It's like, yo, I heard these dudes, I got anxiety. They're over there saying this word to each other. And he's like, well, why don't you go over there and ask him politely? You know, I know you guys play with that. He he helped me to say what I needed to. Right. And that was me holding on to pride and ego, you know, because if you call me a bitch, I'm afraid that you think I'm a bitch or you're going to physically hurt me or take advantage of me. So the only character defect I know is pride and ego. Like, hey, homie, you ain't going to call me that, whether it's with fist, yelling, you know, throwing sockets at people, whatever. And, uh, you know, it. I didn't want to let go of the pride and ego in that particular situation, you know? And, um, just the other day I was sitting on the couch with somebody and they straight up called me a bitch and a mean way. And I grit my teeth and, um, I said, Hey man, I'm about to go to the house, you know? And I let it go. I forgave him, called him the next day. Didn't even tell him, Hey, don't do that to me no more or nothing. And it's still pro it's a process, man, you know. So if you got a character defect you you don't want to get rid of, bro, keep coming back, keep working steps, keep telling your sponsor about it, get vulnerable with another man, get intimate with another man. It's gonna get better, I promise. You don't have to feel like that no more. Kevin, you hit on a word that's very big for me looking back, you know, especially working the sixth step for the first time, but you talked about awareness. And I think mm. the first time I got to the sixth step, I was absolutely not ready to have those defects removed, but the process of working four and five and building that courage and trust, you know, faith coming before that, you know, I was asking to be aware of these defects because I had to be aware of them for a while before I was really able to see them and be ready for any of them to be removed. You know, so I think just that pure awareness the first time around, and I think it, it grew as I worked it again for the second time, some of those Maybe I wasn't ready to let go, but through the process of trying to live a program of recovery, some of those weren't as active in my life. And I think really the second time through, after being aware of them for a while and seeing some of them not be as big of an issue is where I kind of really was able to internalize the sixth step more. I don't think I was there the first time, but I kept putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, the program just kind of took hold of my life. So that awareness is really big for me. You know, awareness is also, you know, we got to take responsibility for our behavior. You know, and, um, it's not the destination, it's the journey. You know, I'm glad that I'm making mistakes. I heard somebody in a meeting say today, I'm ready to make new mistakes because it means I'm growing. Yep. And, uh, um, you know, awareness, not wanting to let it go, you know. Some people make other people do another first step, but my sponsorship family, we just keep chugging along. 
Every 30 days, do a step, step, step. When you get to 12, do one and start your traditions. And, you know, I get to be more honest in my four step. I, I get to be more aware of my sixth. I, 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 I get I, I get to be more responsible for my actions in eight and nine, you know, and I get to uh, understand service better. And, and, you know, then I start learning about unity and then I start unity about our primary purpose. And it's it's long turtle wins a race. Or, uh, yeah. Slow turtle wins a race mm. is what uh, Bubba always told me. He said slow turtle wins a race, man. You know, just a little bit at a time. Do all you can. Do the best you can. That's it. And like you were saying, Chase, you know, like I wasn't ready and um, I wasn't being aware. Man, I I think you did a hell of a job, bro. I watched you grow and I, I watched you be aware and other people tell you shit and watch you be a smart ass. And, you know, and I mean, it's your recovery, bro. And did you use through any of it? Hell no, you didn't. You stayed the course, and that's what counts, man. That's what counts. That's the that's the only promise in narcotics anonymous. It does not say, Kevin, you're no longer gonna be an asshole. <laughs> it says you don't have to use while you're an asshole. It does say that though. You know. I once heard uh somebody talk about they would get together with people that they were close to, and they would say, Okay, we're gonna get here and we're gonna tell each other the character defects we see in one another. And I'm thinking, well, they need to hang out with this motherfucker right here because that's all you got to do. Well, I mean, it, it, we don't have to have an open invitation. Everybody we hang out with, we don't have a problem calling each <laughs> other on our character defects. It's just a part, it's just a way of life around here. Yeah, that's um, right. Hold each know, other accountable. That's loving each other, bro, to be honest. Oh, yeah, that is. It is. Yeah, we could put all kind of little cherries on top of that. But the truth of the matter is, is, is when we truly unconditionally love people in Narcotics Anonymous, we are uh, pretty much um, guaranteed to tell them what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear and vice versa. That's it. You, what you uh, talked about earlier is the pride and stuff. In the basic text, it talks about eventually faith, humility, and acceptance replace pride and rebellion. And uh, you sharing that story a minute ago about the dude uh, saying that to you and then you getting up and leaving, man. That's just a perfect example of, you know, uh, step six working in your life, you know, having to be humble and just accept what he said and not acting the way that you used to act. And uh, I think that's just a testament to what applying these principles can do because guess what? You got to you got to go on about your day and you didn't end up in prison. He didn't end up in the hospital and – I think that's awesome. Um, it also says at the end, you know, perhaps for the first time we see a vision of our new way of life. Uh, and what that makes me think about is regardless of if the character defect is going away that I become aware of, I can at least start to envision what my life would look like without it. And before I never even dreamed that was possible, you know, never even knew it was a problem, much less, what my life would look like without it. Man, I agree with that fully. That's a. Uh, I wish I had something. wrote that. Huh? I wish I had wrote that, but I didn't. All the shit you hear us talking about, uh, just, <laughs> just, just, just in case you're listening, you're new in here, man. Let me tell you something. Like all this shit, we didn't make this shit up. Like we didn't write to sit this in a room. There's nothing magical about it. Like our predecessors wrote this book and 
uh, went to jail and rode bikes and went through all types of struggles for us to be able to have this beautiful program that's saving lives all over the world. And uh, everything we're saying is in this book. And everybody's got a different way of using it. But if you keep it simple, you know, it's, it's all the same thing. And it's in the literature. Yep. It's in the, it's all in the literature and fellowship and unity. And, man, I'm just so grateful today. So before we wrap up with step six, um, I want to talk about kind of like your process through the steps because it, it, it's it's kind of unique and I think it's interesting. Um, we talk about the awareness of the character defects. Don't you guys start identifying character defects in step one? Ain't that the way that you started? Yeah, so uh, first thing we do in our sponsorship, fam, I'm in a new one now. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a body of men. My sponsor just switched over to this body of men and, uh, they are a lot more thorough and, uh, literature is the number one thing. But so the way Bubba taught it to me was we open up the book and we read the end of, of, of the first step and don't read anything else. And he asked us a couple of questions, um, about, specific things in the beginning and then we'll have our first sit down and do our first assignment which is do a fear circle and we learned the um the definition of a character defect and where character defects come from and then how it goes is it's a fear circle you make a circle you put fear in the middle of it and then you make little lines like a sunshine and look up this list of character defects and you write down all the character defects. And there's like 40 or 50 of them on the list. And after about 10 or 11 of them, he said, okay, that's enough. I want you to go back and put some extra lines on because you're going to need it. And he was funny about it, you know, and I, I would write them down. And then he, we talked about fear. If I look at every single character defect, they have been made. I have chose to make those and use those with fear. I've been taught those how, my belief system, my ideals to use. If someone calls me a bitch, I'm afraid that people think I'm a bitch. So I fight. Uh, my girlfriend cheats on me or my girlfriend doesn't give me enough attention. So to, to, I'm afraid people won't think I'm a man or I think I'm not manly enough. So I go and cheat uh, and so on and so forth. And if I look at every single character defect, they come from fear. And then he told me there's two ways to use fear. You could face everything and rise or you could fuck everything and run. And how we, and and how I use that, here's a character defect. I went to the gas station and uh, this young kid made a mistake and I tried to give him back money that would make his drawer short and he started being shitty with me. And I could have just left the money and told the manager, hey, man, he made a mistake. But I flipped out, called him a dickhead and and went off the rails and uh, walked out of the store and there was two dollars extra. I said, here's a tip for being a dickhead. Now, I said, fuck everything and run right there. If I would have faced everything and rise, I would have said, hey, man, this guy made a mistake. He seems like he's having a bad day. Can you check his drawer? Make sure the money's right. Here it is. That would have been facing everything and rising, being humble, being understanding, being tolerant, being patient with the dude. And I wasn't. For whatever reason, the people around me, I was afraid of something and I lashed out. And um, I'm aware of that. I wrote in my journal. I went back and apologized. 
you know, I, I, I did a 10 step at the end of the night. I went back the next day. I apologized to the kid. I apologized to the manager and, uh, you know, and that's what recovery is about, man. No one's ever going to be perfect. Well, I'll never be perfect. Uh, some people may think they're perfect, but I'll never be perfect. And I'm just going to keep being aware and keep doing better. And uh, no matter what, I ain't fucking getting high. Not uh, today. That's what's up. Kevin, I got one more question for you. Not really step six related, but um, something I, over time, you know, I've been blessed to get to hear you speak about. And, I, you know, I love the seriousness and the interpretation you guys have. But will you talk a little bit about anonymity and what that means to you and how you internalize that and because it's much there's much more layers of anonymity than the simple things we hear about and that's something i've learned a lot from you since uh since i came in the rooms and could you talk a little bit about um why it's so important to you and how you apply that you know practicing principles over personalities the only personality i need to be worried about in the rooms my own fucking personality that's the personality i need to be worried about Anonymity, man, uh, it doesn't matter if you got 30 seconds clean, 30 years clean. We're all the same. We're all the same. There's unity, baby. That's what it's about. I'm an addict just like you. I shot dope. I did things that, that I'm ashamed of to get high and hurt my family. And when I come to the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, it doesn't matter if you work at McDonald's or you're a doctor. When we cross that threshold of that church or whatever facility is allowing us to hold a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, we are addicts and we are all inclusive. We're not addicts and alcoholics. We're not sober and clean. Uh, our it, We have a clear Narcotics Anonymous message. And, um, yeah, man, anonymity is the bearer of no names. Like, we don't say our last name or ask for recognition because my character defects will fly. I'll be that cat. Yeah, let me sign your book. You know, look at me. Here's my number. Girl, I see you. All that. You know, we're we're just all addicts. All we care about is your problem and how we can help. And uh, it's not a, there's no I in team either. Because when I start bringing in I or their meeting or them, you know, I isolate myself. That's that's the uh, when we talk about indifference towards spiritual principles, intolerance, stuff like that. You know, so, uh, hey, man, for the newcomer, we're so glad you're here. Keep coming back. Without you, I can't stay clean. If you don't call me, if you don't ask me to guide you like I asked my sponsor to guide me, I can't stay clean. And I'm just like you, bro. All right, that's what I got. All right, man. So it's uh about time to wrap it up, and I sure appreciate you coming on here, man. We're grateful for you. Thank you for taking the time out of your day and sharing this message. And um, before we go, is there anything you want to say to that person that may be struggling, um, who maybe is struggling with the idea of looking at some of these character defects, who may be struggling with fear like you talked about, who may be scared to death? They may be a hard ass who's too afraid to let pride and ego go and um, be able to admit to their self that they are afraid. You got anything for them? Um, Yeah, I do. Um, you know, fear is why I used. Fear is why I stole. Fear is why I lied. You know, the best thing I could do is just tell you, look in the mirror, and while no one's around, 
Really listen to what your thoughts are saying. Really hear them for what they are. And then say them out loud while no one's around. And then at, and then tell you, be real with yourself. Are you afraid or not? And the answer is going to be yes. You know, uh, that's my experience, you know, for anybody else. And, and uh, you know, I'm facing fears today, man. I'm being, I'm being faithful, honest, loyal, a part of the relationships that I'm in, all the way from the person at the gas station and to the woman I'm going to marry. You know, my mom, my dad, my kids. And uh, if you're not perfect, it's okay, man. Just don't use and keep coming back. Trust me. I know. All right. So I want to thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Chase. Y'all come on back next week. We're going to be working on step seven with Amanda H. Uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Keep TK in your prayers. He's slowly but surely getting there. We love y'all. See you next week.